0: What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is the Mesh.
1: This episode of the Caregiver Community is sponsored by Pace at Home. During this uncertain time, Pace at Home is enrolling participants who wish to continue to remain at home. Partnering with families, Pace at Home provides caring medical support for all of our program's participants. Visit us on our website or give us a call at 828 828- 828 468 3980 to talk with a representative that can discuss with you the Pace at Home all inclusive medical approach. Pace at Home is the champion for seniors wishing to remain in their community. Welcome to the caregiver community. This is a place where we talk about the joys and the challenges of caring for our aging parents, as well as caring for ourselves. I am Frances Hall, founder and executive director of ACAP, Adult Children of Aging Parents. In this podcast, we are are discussing how families can better talk about and prepare for the ending of a loved one's life and how discussions about death can become normal conversations. My guest is Pam Carter. Not only is Pam a death educator and end-of-life doula, she also is the executive director of the International Doula Life Movement School. Having spent the past 45 years working with families during one of the hardest and one of the most sacred times of life, Pam helps families navigate difficult discussions and decisions as they anticipate the death of a loved one from assisting in planning end-of-life care to guiding families and understanding what death looks like. Pam is passionate about helping families walk through this difficult time, as well as making conversations about death as easy as talking about birth. To be completely transparent, Pam is on the leadership team of our new ACAP Cobb and Cherokee Counties just outside Atlanta, Georgia. Hi Pam, thank you so much for being with us. How are you today?
0: I'm great, Francis, and I'm so excited to be here with you today.
1: Well, we are excited about this conversation. This this is gonna be a little different for us. So, first, first, okay, end of life doula. That is a term that probably many of us don't have a clue what that means. So help us understand what an end-of-life doula is.
0: I would love to, Frances. And most people don't understand what that term means. Most people think of a doula as a birth doula because birth doulas have now been around for many years. Women get pregnant, they rush out to get an assistance in giving birth. Well, there's two spectrums. There's the birth doula, And there's the death duo, each on opposite ends of life. So the death duo, we work with families in accepting what's going on. We help them make plans. We work with advanced care planning. We explain the death process to individuals. We guide someone every step of the way through the end of life.
1: Okay. Boy, that is an important point and in the life of an individual and their loved ones. Having been with my mother and my husband as they took their last breaths and journeying with them through that whole process, I know how difficult that journey can be for the person who is in the process of of dying as well as their loved ones. We tend to avoid discussing death um, or we use words like my loved one has passed away, or the person is sleeping, or God has called them home. And my personal favorite that I will admit I use because I think it is so lovely is that I walked my loved one home. And I know many African Americans call it a home going. Why do you think we avoid using the phrase, he died, she died? And is there any harm to using these other phrases or are there other words that you would suggest that we use instead of some of those that we we typically use?
0: We typically use words that are less frightening and that's where these, they went to sleep, they've passed away. That's where these type of comments come from. And, you know, the thing that is amazing is that years ago, our communities took care of our loved ones. We lived in small communities. The women were there for the birth. They served as a birth doula. They were there for a death. They served as that death doula. And the men were in the community building the coffins, taking care of the fields. We did everything in a different way but as things changed so did the way communities looked at things and now rather than embracing death and discussing death they found other ways to talk about it. She went to sleep instead of saying Mary died. We need to bring back the terms that are um, how do I say this that are better fitted to the event you know when someone has cancer they generally talk about cancer as whatever the cancer is. If they've got esophageal cancer, if they've got brain cancer, death, embrace the word death. We need to teach our children that someone didn't pass away because where are they gone to? Where did they, you know, where, where did they disappear to? Am I going to disappear someday? Instead of explaining the death process to the children. We need to include the word death just like we do any other word in our vocabulary.
1: You know, you just brought up a, a really interesting point. And so I'm gonna I have a I have several questions, but I'm gonna jump to that one. Let's let's talk about children. Um how should you know you have just said that yes, adults should talk with children about death. How do we do that? And is there sort of an age appropriateness? How, how do you do that? Well, you know, there's the same. You only tell children
0: as much as they want to know. When you're talking with a child about any event, have you ever noticed that they'll get to a point and they'll go, oh, okay. And they go off to play. Same thing about death. When someone dies, teaching children that everything has an evolution. You know, teaching children, have you you notice that the trees turn in the fall and they lose their leaves? That's a process of death. But they're born again when they come back in the spring and everything's green and growing. Everything goes through a cycle. And teaching children about that cycle and using things that we don't even think about in daily occurrences. A child has a goldfish. Today, it's swimming around its tank. Tomorrow, it's belly up at the top. That goldfish died. And to talk about the evolution of life with that child and to help them understand that everything goes through stages, to help them embrace it as being natural and not scary. I don't believe in ever forcing a child to go to a funeral, for example. But to tell a child there is going to be a service for whoever it is that's passed today and everyone's going to gather, would you like to go? And if a child says, yeah, I want to go, to take that child to that service is perfectly all right. But be prepared that if they become uncomfortable, you're going to be able to get up and leave with that child and explain what's going on. To take the mystery, death has a mystery, a shroud around it that we have put there that shouldn't be. You know, when someone is born, everybody, oh, we're going to have parties and we're going to have showers and we're going to, everybody's so excited. It is the main event. They even want to be there if possible to see the child born. When we find out someone's dying, you get the, keep me posted, let me know what's going Let me know what's happening. Checking in and saying, how's everything today? Instead of front and center going and approaching and visiting and being part of that. And we have to teach our children to be part of that. I'll use an example in my own family with this because we have always been a family that talks about death and dying. It's never lived behind a door. Whenever there's been a death, so-and-so died. They didn't pass. They didn't go to sleep. I taught my children that. I have four granddaughters who are all under the ages of 10. And last year, we lost our Dalmatian, who was only five years old. We lost her to a sub-known set of cancer. And we had to have her euthanized. I found a veterinarian that would come to the home. I wanted to do this in a home environment. My grandchildren, because Nene works in this field and talks about death, they're very accustomed to hearing it. But when you see it put into action, it's a whole different scenario. And when the veterinarian came to euthanize the dog, I told them that my grandchildren wanted to come and be with her. I could see the look on his face of, oh, great. But he was okay with that. The grand He sedated her in the first stage. The grandchildren arrived. They sat around her. They told her what a beautiful experience in life they'd had with her. They talked to her How much they loved her and how much they were going to miss her. They stroked her. They kissed her on the forehead. They held her paws. They told her to go to the Rainbow Bridge because they've been talked to about pets at the Rainbow Bridge. They told her to go to the Rainbow Bridge and she was going to be joined by. They named every family pet we lost in the last five years that they were aware of. But they had a healthy understanding. And yes, they were upset, but they knew that they were telling her goodbye. They knew that this was the last time that they were going to sit with her. So after they had done what they needed to do and the mom had taken them away and everything was over, the veterinarian looked at me and he said, I have never in my life seen children handle death like that. But it's all because we are talked to about it. It's all because when someone is sick and been in the hospital, if they were dying, they were told this individual is ill. If they went to visit, they were told, you know, if you want to give them a hug, if you want to give them a kiss, tell them that you love them. They're taught that. And we have to make death as much a part of life as birth. You know, I always liken it to this, too, and in explaining it to to adults and even to children birth, the mother's body and the baby know what to do. And I know that there are circumstances where, you know, you have some type of uh, medical circumstance where a doctor has to intervene. But basically, the mother and the child know what to do. Death is the same thing. We start dying the day we're born. And it's a process. We live with death every day in our life, so we need to embrace the fact that we will come to the point where our body will begin that process, and the body then knows what to do. And
1: and not only that we embrace it ourselves, but that we understand it and acknowledge it for people we love. That yes, we will be sad. Yes, there will be a loss. Yes, there will be a hole. But that this, that every day we know that person. They are getting closer to the point of their own their own demise, their own death, as we are our own. But but when you're talking about the children, it's like this is such important life skill that that they are being taught because they will experience death, whether it's for a loved one or a pet or all kinds of deaths, you know, deaths, put that in quote. For a lot, of, for a lot of different things, their our entire lives.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And like you, said, children experience generally experience death. The first death is generally the loss of a pet. That's generally, you know, the goldfish, the hamster, the puppy. That's the first death I would really experience. And to, I was just going to walk them through that in conversation. You know. Not say that the kitten went to sleep or the dog, you know, went to heaven. Because when you say so-and-so went to heaven, children wonder, well, how come I can't go? You know, how, how do I go to heaven?
1: <clears throat> yeah, a child's perspective is very different from an adult's, very different. So, so let's, let's go a little outside that. How can we normalize discussions about death with a family? We,
0: we normalize discussions by having discussions. There are tools that are available to families to use to open conversations about death. There are There is a company that a set of cards that a family can sit around a table and have conversations on death and dying, and it will involve everyone from every age bracket. It's also, I have to say, I know someone that bought this deck of cards, the death deck, took them to a family gathering this past Christmas. There was two that decided to sit down and go through them out of curiosity, and before the evening was over, there was 15 family members that had gathered in the living room with this deck of cards to have a conversation. Pete want to talk about death they just don't know who to mention it to and if you engage people in conversations they open up and they have these conversations there are movies that on netflix that are amazon that can be watched that will open up conversations to death and when someone knows that someone has died to talk about that person that's recently died and open that conversation Just like you would say to someone, hey, I read this good book. It's okay to say, hey, I was reading this article on death, and then to engage in that conversation. It needs to be part of everyday discussions as fluid as really, you know, did you have coffee for breakfast or did you have hot tea?
1: You know, Pam, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about that I grew up in a family that my grandmother was from a family of 10 children. So I can remember going to my great aunt's funerals by the time I was in first grade. I mean I remember this. And I'm thinking fast forward two generations. We have much smaller families, three, two or three generations. We have much smaller families. And so Yes, for children now that often pet would be a pet would be the first death. I have known adults who have never known anyone who has died. You know, and it's just such a difference in terms of the normalcy that death was much more normal because there were more people and um, there, there were just more people that, that our death was not more normal, but our understanding and our interface with death was much more normal when families were larger versus now.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I never thought of
1: that. I and never thought of that. The face of
0: death, and when I say the face of death, the face of death has changed a lot because um, there was a time when we took care of the dying at home. And because we were taking care of the dying at home, the children saw the person in the bed. They were aware of when that person passed. We laid in state in family rooms, living rooms, parlors. This was what we did. And then we started outsourcing it. So you got sick, and instead of being at home and being cared for, you went to a hospital. And the children weren't taken to the hospital to visit. So when someone was sick and dying in the hospital, they weren't witness to that. And then so then there was the death and the death was a funeral. And to protect the children, we didn't take them to the funeral. We didn't talk to them about death. And that, in my personal opinion, is an injustice because, like you said a minute ago, there are a lot of adults who have never dealt with death. As an end of life doula, I've been called in to help families and they're looking at me like deer caught in headlights going, we've never done this. You know, dad's dying. We've never seen anyone die. And then walking them through the every, every step of the way through the norm, normalcy of what is occurring and what is happening and helping them accept that.
1: And And I know that they're. hospice is a wonderful, wonderful ministry. And I know some people who are hospice nurses who also are end of life doulas. But is there a real difference or what is the difference between hospice and what you do?
0: Yeah, there is a huge difference between hospice and end of life doulas. Hospice is your medical support. They're the ones that follow medically. They're taking the blood pressure. They're listening to heartbeats. They're, you know, they're administering the oxygen. They're getting the meds. Doulas are there to support the family, to help them understand the stages of death. It's okay that mom is sleeping more. This is part of the dying process. It's okay that mom is refusing food. And why we really don't want to feed someone, once they start saying and declining, I, I'm not thirsty. No, I really don't want that. And, you know, we have a bad habit of feeling like we have to encourage, just take a bite, just tap. But the body, again, knows what it's doing. And so to educate the family that this is perfectly normal is what a doula does. Doulas help families if they have not done any advanced care plan. Um, And in planning, you plan for body disposition. You plan for what you want after you've passed. Some people don't have that. So a doula will work with a family in talking about cremation or traditional burial, or celebrations of life. We help them decide what works best for their family. And we can guide them with references and who to call. Because a lot of times, and it's heartbreaking, I've been called to a family, gone in to visit with them, and found some family member, either now today they're on Google, but in the past with the yellow pages looking for a funeral home. Because they've never discussed it. So doulas are a huge resource at the end of life to give guidance as far as this is someone that you could call on or this is how this is done. We're also that spiritual guidance. Um, the dying often want to talk about life experiences or regrets, and sometimes they're not going to talk to their brother or their mother or sister or even their spouse, but they will talk with that doula. So doulas fill that. I always say we fill that humanity gap. We fill that spiritual and emotional and educational gap that families are desperate for in that end of life. Some doulas will sit and do bedside vigil and stay with a family from beginning to end. Some doulas come in and give families instructions on what to do, and they're available by phone. And every family is different. I've been with families where I've walked them all the way through and never left their sides. I've been with families when they've said, I got this. I've got this. And I'm like, I'm here if you need me. Take a book, sit outside and read until somebody opens the door and hollers for me. But to bring that education and to normalize the process of death. Death is not scary. In fact, death is extremely peaceful. If someone is content and in the environment and surrounded by the love they need to be, it's one of the most beautiful experiences you can ever have.
1: It it truly, truly can be. So let's talk a little more about uh, this normalizing it in in day-to-day life. Um, How can families have these discussions that are positive? How do we how do we go from the theory to
0: the how-tos? The how-tos. To have discussions talking about your own end of life with your loved ones. To talk about, you know, I've been looking at advanced care planning. I would like to die at home. I would like to have family with me. How you see end of your life as far as your body, you know, Families talking about cremations or burials to talk about family members in a group. What do you think about death? What is your view? What do you want to open it up? Just it's almost needs to be as uh, fluid and liquid as saying, what do you want for dinner? You know, <laughs> I mean, it, it just needs to be normal. There's nothing not normal about death. And to engage in that. And as I said earlier, watching movies, and there are a lot of movies today that, you know, someone in that movie dies. And to talk about how that death was, and was that death realistic, or was that really a staged movie death? You know, people don't die like they do in the movies. <laughs> uh,
1: Pam, is there, a, and you're right, but is there a guide somewhere? Like, here, here is a list of questions or a list of things to talk about because I could imagine that a lot of families would get to the point of going, okay, okay, w- we're going to talk about death. You know, everybody's gathering for whatever the celebration is. and Okay. This is our time. We need to do this. But then going, I don't know where to begin. How do we do this? Or kind of the flip side is I'm the adult I'm the adult child, the adult son, the adult daughter, or grandchild. And I love this person, but I'm clueless as to how to even begin the conversation of what would you want, mom? What would you want, dad? Can you give us some some go-to, some references, or even some steps, how how to begin that conversation?
0: Well, I begin that conversation with people almost on a daily basis, and I will begin those conversations by talking to them to find out a little bit about the person. You're in a family, so you know that person if you're doing this in a family conversation. And I would start the conversation by saying, you know, Francis, the other day I was thinking about the end of life. I'm getting older. Are you aware that I'm fixing to turn 70? And I I was thinking about the end of life and and what that would be like. And, you know, I think I would like to die at home. Have you thought about where you would want to be or how you want to see the end of your life? Do you want to die at home? I would. I'd like to be at home and have my family around me and be in my own environment, be able to have friends visit. What do you think about that? And then to it's, it's an engaging, fluid conversation. The same thing as, have you ever thought about organ donation? On your driver's license, are you an organ donor? I've thought about that, and I've wondered if maybe I should be an organ donor. How do you feel about that? To engage in conversations that say, I've thought, and what do you think and it becomes fluid it one conversation leads to another and there are there are a lot of books that are available that can can engage in conversations there and i could send you a resource list if you'd like to have that on books and things that can be can be read Again, I really like movies because movies open up a whole conversation of what happens after death and how we view death and how people celebrate death. Another thing that I have done with families is talked about the celebration of death and likened that to things like, have you ever seen how they celebrate New Orleans? I mean, with the big brass bands and the singing and I love that. I want my life to be a celebration about that you know and when we we talk about funeral homes and we talk about celebrations of life and we talk about the things that we've witnessed it opens up that conversation it becomes
1: and i want to make sure that we make that we make sure to say this is not for someone or these conversations are not just for people who are older this Somewhere, somewhere recently, maybe with you, um, someone made the statement that if you are over 18, you need to have documents. You need to have a will, living will. You know all of these things, and you need to be talking about what, what would you want, where would you want to die, where would you want your body, you know, how would you want your body to be disposed of, you know, all of these kinds of things. If you are over the age of 18 it's time to have those conversations. From
0: 18 to 180. Because what most people don't think about too in that, in that respect is we have children, but they are an adult at 18 and that's when they need to make their decisions. And that's when, and you know, what I find interesting is in talking to youth, and I say youth when I'm thinking of the 18 to 20 year old, 25 year olds, they're really more willing today to talk about death than the older generation the older generations are the ones that don't talk about it too much
1: but is that because we know that we are getting closer to our own end and it's like oh let's let's push that you know let's hang on nope nope not not ready for that
0: it's our own mortality It is our own mortality.
1: But we have
0: to face it. We have to have these conversations. We have to engage with one another. We have to talk about the things that we want at the end of life. And that naturally makes it more fluid to talk about death and dying. You know, as I said earlier, most people want to die at home. Most families would like to have their loved one at home, but they're not sure how to go about doing that.
1: <clears throat> and it is, it is extremely important to know what your loved one wants so that, and, and I'm talking the legal documents, but also just in general to know, does that person want to be hooked up and prolong, you know, brainwaves and the heartbeat or not, let let nature take its course, that is extremely helpful to know because it is incredibly difficult, but it is at the same time, much easier and comforting to know that what you really are doing is, is honoring that person's wishes.
0: Uh Absolutely. And when you talk about planning, it is the best gift that we can give to our own families. And in doing that, you're going to engage the death conversation. You're going to engage and come back and talk to how to talk about how you view that. Talk about what you want at those end
1: stages of life. And that is critical for everybody. For everybody. For everybody. For everybody. Mm-hmm. But I love that. That that is truly a gift that we give to our loved ones to be really clear about what you want. And what you don't want.
0: Well, it's the gift we give to our loved ones. And it's the last gift we give to ourselves. Because we get to choose what that's going to look like. We get, it's almost, (laughs) I just had this thought run through my head. It's almost like being the director of a movie. You get to stage that last scene. You get to decide who's going to be present. You get to decide what that environment is going to smell like and look like and feel like. You know, some people want their favorite comfy blankets. Some people want their cat, their dogs, their children. Um, I had a grandmother years ago that only had two grandchildren. And through the entire process, her grandchildren were curled up in bed with her because that's what she wanted she wanted them by her she needed that support they were and they weren't young children they were in their teens but they, you know they took time sometimes both of them were piled up in bed with grandma and other times it was just one while one was away but that was what she wanted she wanted her grandchildren close I've had people that wanted their pets close but if you don't express this and you don't talk about it and you don't Plan for it, then it doesn't happen, yes. and right. we, nobody knows. And we only get one opportunity,
1: right? Right. There's no redo, right? Yeah, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Okay. So, what suggestions? Is there anything else that we haven't talked about? But let me ask this one question: Is do you have any specific suggestions as to how to make that journey of death or toward the end of life? death easier on the dying as well as the family. Is there anything else that that we ought to be talking about that we haven't talked about?
0: Well, I think one of the things, and you brought this up, and I was going to make this comment earlier, you were talking about hospice. And I think that hospice at the end of life is critical. And most people do not understand how important hospice is to have on board. Most people are not aware of the services they bring. They think of hospice as being the 13th hour instead of the fact that hospice can give you months if hospice is doing their job. So for a family to talk about and have a good plan for a hospice, to me, is critically important. For families to talk about, as we've already been discussing, how they see that end of life where they want to, if they want to be buried, if they want to be cremated, to have these discussions with families and to be sure that they're also having discussions of how important that loved one has been to others in life. It's very important that we reassure the dying that we're going to be okay and we appreciate what they've brought to our life. Those words of encouragement, Especially in the final stages of life are so important. And families, the one thing I always tell families too, when we talk about making this easier, don't have difficult conversations at bedside. Have these difficult conversations. If you haven't had them before, have them in the hall outside. Have them in another room. Don't stand at bedside and talk about the cemetery, the, crema- the cremation, the burial. You know, what are we going to put her in? What are we going to dress her in? Has anybody ordered fly? That's not what you do at bedside. At bedside, you need to talk about what a valued life that was. It needs to be expressions of love and positive and of me. that's the way we have to view death death is an upbeat experience it's it's not um something any of us should fear we all are born we all live and we will all die
1: right right Uh, you know all of that is reminding me of the book or the poem i guess it is really the dash um I love that because really, really, what it's talking about is that on the tombstone there is the date or the year of birth and the date with the year of death, but there's a dash between. And the issue is what has happened in that de- in in that dash. What does that dash consist of? And what you are saying basically is at the bedside. To be talking about that dash, you know, what you see, what you have experienced from that person's dash, you know, what they've done in that life and how they've affected you and how they have positively been part of your life. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can send you, um, when we talk about children, I can send you a list of books that are great for parents to use with children. And I can send you some resources if you want to make those available to people Um, books, movies, there's all kinds of resources. There's also organizations like, um, for example, Compassion and Choices is a huge organization and they have all kinds of guidelines to open up conversations for families.
1: Good, good. Good. Yeah, there's one group also, (coughs) excuse me, and I can't remember the name of it, but and I don't know anything about it except that it evidently is about, and maybe it's called The Conversation.
0: It's The Conversation Project.
1: Yeah, I I remember reading about that and thinking, what a great effort. I mean, it's just to get people to talk.
0: There's also things like death cafes and Death Cafe is a, um, you can find them, you can look up Death Cafe on the internet, and you can find them locally and virtually, and they are groups of people that come together to simply talk about death. There is not a format to the conversation. You'll have 15 or 20 people that gather. Somebody will open the conversation by introducing themselves and saying, what's on your mind? Who's got a question? And you know, you're there to talk about death. So someone will ask a question and then it leads into just fluid conversation about death and dying. Those are great, great ways for people to open up and talk about death
1: death. And what a wonderful opportunity to learn how to do that and to learn that it really is a normal part of living, that death is a normal part of living. And so... Certainly, we should be able to talk about this. Oh,
0: absolutely. We have to talk about it. It's like I said earlier, it's almost like, what would you like for dinner? I'd like to talk about death today. But, but to use proper terms and not to um, sugarcoat it, you know, mom went away. Where did she go?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pam, thank you thank you so much for this important conversation uh, and and one that we don't that we really don't talk about nearly enough so thank you for this um to you our listeners thank you for listening we hope you have gained lots of good insight and information through this podcast and that you'll share it with others you believe may benefit and if you're interested in more conversation about this, Pam is going to be sending me the um, the, the resources. Feel free to go on our website and to ask, ask us to send you that information. And our website is www.acapcommunity.org. Again, www.acapcommunity.org. Um, and, and there, we also have some other podcasts that you may be interested in. We have podcasts on hospice in particular, uh, hospice and palliative care, as well as anticipatory grief. So there, there, we are, we are having several conversations about, um, about issues surrounding the death of a loved one. So you, we hope that you will listen to them also. Check them out. We certainly want to thank Pace at Home in Hickory, North Carolina. They are our sponsor for this podcast and all of our podcasts. This program is part of the Mesh Network of online shows and podcasts. You may find more of our Caregiver Community podcast on any of the platforms where you, where you listen to podcasts. You will also find our podcast on our website, again, www.acabcommunity.org. Um, but while you're on our site, if you're wanting to, to take, a look, take a listen to some of our podcasts while you're on our website, we hope that you will take a look at all of the material, all of the resources and all the programs that we offer and even find a chapter possibly near you. Um, if there are other topics that you would like for us to address, please do let us know on our website. As we say so often in ACAP, regardless of our age, our background, our education, career, or anything else, when it's our mother, our father, our loved one who needs the help, caring for and advocating for that person becomes very personal and extremely important. So please care well for yourself, care well for your other, for your loved ones, but remember to to take care of yourself also. Stay well. Bye for now.
0: You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community.